2: it's never too early to start looking at next week's NFL live this is the look ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on v the sports betting network
3: we begin hour number two of the look Ahead, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and what a treat to join me and Wes in studio the co-host of the handle Mike Samich Look, I mean, we got superstars in the house today. How are you doing, my friend?
4: Uh, doing well. Doing well. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that three and a half hours of football. And you can't ask for much more than that. Phenomenal game between the, the Bills and the Chiefs there. Fun game early as well. So, a nice little Sunday here to wrap up the weekend.
3: Well, you could ask for more if you had the Bills two and a half.
4: Yeah, th- that's fair. Make a kick, somebody, <laughs> in Orchard
3: Park. Uh, but let's start there as we kind of overview and look back at what the weekend that was. Uh, is there anything that really stood out to you as a surprise, if you will? I, I think what surprised me was that the Packers—we weren't that far away from a Packers-Buccaneers NFC title game. Like, we, yes, they—they're both gone, but if you really look at it, we weren't that far away from it.
4: The Bucks were live. I didn't expect the Bucks were going to be live. I laid the six with Detroit today, and I thought Detroit was absolutely going to steamroll them. I, I was wildly unimpressed with what we saw from the Eagles last weekend, mm-hmm. and I thought the Bucks really were fortunate to play a team that seemed like they had packed it in for the season. They came out and played well. I thought Baker played phenomenal. They were able to take advantage of that Detroit Lions secondary and and kind of pick them apart specifically with Mike Evans, but at the end, just not able to make a play. And, and, you know, two games come down to the final drive. We have interceptions. We have two missed field goals that are clutched in the last two minutes here. So again, a fun weekend of football. The one thing that surprised me the most was the lack of faith it felt like Kyle Shanahan had had in Brock Purdy Mm -hmm. in that Niners game. To not try and score at the end of the first half was shocking to me. And then the play calling you saw down the stretch where he clearly did not want to put that game in Purdy's hands. And to be honest, I don't blame him. He was a mess in that spot. You saw him wiping his, his hand after the snap because he was worried about holding it. He went from a glove to just a regular hand. I, a lot of concerns coming out of San Francisco. And it's tough for me because I make that game eight. I should be betting San Francisco every single day right now with this number. I haven't been able to, self, been able to get myself to the window yet.
5: Yeah, I'm in the same spot too. Uh, a couple, I think there's a couple of rogue six and a halves out there. That certainly I think is a layable number. But yeah, I'm wondering how this is going to be though uh, uh, next Sunday in San Francisco because we knew that it was probably going to be a pass heavy script today from Baker and Tampa Bay, and that's really how you get Detroit. Detroit's pretty good against the run, mm-hmm. even though they gave up a couple decent ones to Rashad White today. But Detroit, I think, like six and rush DVOA on defense, so you expect a pass heavy script today. Do you expect one next week, though, based on what you just said uh, uh, a couple moments ago? Because it feels like you're going to have to let Brock Purdy throw. You can't protect him like you did yesterday and and kind of almost hide him like they did at
4: the end of the first half. I 100% agree with you. If if you're Shanahan going into this game, you're really having to game plan for how you're going to have Brock Purdy be able to win it for you. And that's why I haven't gotten to the window. That scares me when you have to think about, okay, is Brock Purdy going to be able to make enough throws down the field? Is the weather going to be a factor again? I know, Dave, you mentioned we're expecting mm-hmm. rain again. That mm-hmm. could be another problem. And then there's the Debo of at all. We saw him miss three games during the regular season. Guess what? They lost all of them. And that offense did not look good after he left that game early in the first half as well. So if you want to take advantage of this Lions team, you have to press the ball down the field. Take advantage of the spots where you have wide receivers who can go up and make big plays. Debo's that guy in San Francisco. He's the Mike Evans of San Francisco, right? Ayuk is more of the the Godwin side of it, right? And I'm not – like, without Debo, I'm concerned they're not going to be able to consistently move the the football down the field. I was expecting to bet the over in the NFC title game, regardless of who won this weekend, with the number that got hung and the fact that I don't fully trust either of the quarterbacks in the NFC title game at this point, with Goff on the road and Purdy, the issues that he had, I – I've gotten a little trigger shy in that one as well.
5: Yeah, there is a little bit of an indoor-outdoor Goff dichotomy here where he kind of turns into a pumpkin uh, when he's not in Ford Field or indoors. Well, I'm glad
4: you guys brought
3: up Jared Goff because he is the the lone remaining number one overall pick in the Final Four. We got MVPs in the AFC. We got Mr. Irrelevant against the former number one pick in Jared Goff who played very well today uh, in Detroit, certainly in the second half when they needed him most. So I think we collectively in the gambling community don't trust Jared Goff on the road, even still. But now with Brian Johnson, the way, and we expect him potentially to be a head coach somewhere else, can we say that Brian Johnson, we trust him and Jared Goff on the road in bad weather against San Francisco's defense, which has not been as good as I think we thought would be advertised.
4: No, San Francisco, very gettable on the defensive side of the football. When they've played good teams, they're willing to give up points. It's one of the reasons I was on the over this weekend in the, the Green Bay-San Should've Francisco game. Pretty salty about that one, but we'll, <laughs> we'll move along there. I, I think it's the weapons that the Lions have, not necessarily golf if they're able to overcome this. I love Jameer Gibbs. He's been phenomenal for them both catching the football and running the football. You've got Montgomery. You can kind of slam it up the middle mm-hmm. of there as well. Amon Ross St. Brown didn't have his normal game today. Still got the target share, not able to go over his number. Those weapons give me some faith specifically because I think Ben Johnson's going to be able to move him around. So I, I do think Detroit has some success, but you go back to how much that defense has struggled. And it it's really comes down to the simple question of, can the Niners consistently move the football through the air? Because if they can, I think this is a brutal spot for the Lions having to go on the road. But I get, it goes back to the, the Purdy of it all. Do mm. you trust him to lay... A touchdown essentially here at home. And I agree with you. You can find a rogue six and a half, all of a sudden this becomes a different conversation. But we're, we're mostly painted seven uh, if, you, if you're not here in Las Vegas. And so it makes it a little more difficult to pull the trigger.
5: Yeah. And we talk about uh, we would expect maybe a pass heavy script from San Francisco. What about a run heavy script from the Lions? Because we saw last night that 49ers' run defense is gettable. And Aaron Jones uh, had a couple big runs and look it helped that Aaron Jones is finally healthy, which he wasn't really all season. But do you expect a lot more running out of the Lions here in the uh, NFC title game with uh, Gibbs and Montgomery?
4: I, I think so. I, I think if you're the Lions, you're Ben Johnson, your game plan heading into this is I want to keep the football away from San Francisco's offense specifically because I don't want to give them a bunch of opportunities against my defense. And so you have Montgomery, you've got Gibbs. I think you run the ball early with Montgomery, really try and establish the more power-style run what we saw from Aaron Jones, and then bring in Gibbs and see if you can get that one long, explosive play from Gibbs that he seems to produce every single game. I don't want to trust Jared Goff, especially right out of the gate. I think a big key to this is how fast can the Lions start. Because it, we saw Green Bay take the ball. I think if you're the Lions, you take the ball as well. And you try and go down and put a touchdown on the board early and force San Francisco to chase and make Brock Purdy chase. Because I think that was part of why Purdy also struggled last game is that when he's in the lead, he's much more comfortable. Yeah. He doesn't have to force the football, make as many big plays with his, with his arm. When they're chasing, there's a lot more pressure on Brock Purdy. So if I'm, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm taking the ball if I win the, the toss. And the nice part is Shanahan always defers. So if you take it, you're going to get the ball mm-hmm. 98% of the time in this mm-hmm. spot, right? And then you just have to go score. So it's all about that opening scripted drive for the Lions. Can they go down, get a touchdown? Because that completely flips the game.
3: Let's go to the AFC now with the battle of the Hemeth at quarterback with the former. And we think now going to be soon to be two-time MVP Lamar Jackson against Patrick Mahomes. What's he it Twice already. Twice. Himself. So we're going to soon to be two-timer against the current two-timer and the reigning defending in the Chiefs here. I thought they would be dead today. They were not. They live to fight another day. Are they going to do it again? Like, we haven't seen a repeat champion in the NFL since the mid-2000s with some guy named Tom Brady in New England. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And yet, we keep saying this Chiefs team isn't that good. They struggle on offense, struggle in the red zone. And then Mahomes just figures out a way. Are they going to do it again?
4: Yes. I I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Wow! I I had the Chiefs today. I had them on the money line. I had them in the points. When you Okay, the four quarterbacks left. Goff, Purdy, Jackson, Mahomes. Who do you want? Moms. It's not even a conversation, right? And, and yes, Jackson very good with his legs. But this Chiefs defense is built to be able to stop what Baltimore is going to want to do on the offensive side of the football. We saw it specifically in the second half against Buffalo. They brought more men closer to the line of scrimmage. We're able to take away the run from Josh Allen. We're able to start stymieing Cook when he was trying to get going. If you can do that against Baltimore, if you can take that run game away from them and force it on Lamar's arm with the cornerbacks that they have that can play man coverage down the field, it's going to get awfully dicey for this Baltimore offense to be able to move the football. Questions: question is, can the Chiefs offense do it? And This is a Chiefs offense with all of the things that people want to say about how this is not your normal Chiefs offense. They've looked pretty good the last couple of yeah, weeks. They have. I, without a bonehead play call from Andy Reid, they're up. What, 31 to 24 in that game mm-hmm. or later in the game? So it, to me, this is one of those spots where I, I trust this Chiefs offense. I trust Mahomes more than I trust Lamar Jackson in this big spot. I played them at plus three, uh, plus three and a half, minus 115. Was that when that was available right when the line opened? You still can get some plus three and a halfs out there. I've seen them anywhere from minus 115 to minus 125. I think the Chiefs are incredibly live in this spot. And I, I think they've got a good shot at being able to win the Super Bowl. We
5: saw that the, you know, what you mentioned in the second half, that Kansas City Spags put more of the guys closer to line of scrimmage really took away the receivers, too, because they didn't have, they had that one deep shot to Diggs that yep. was incomplete, and actually the one to uh, Sherfield that was also incomplete. They didn't get a lot of deep shots down the field. So I got to think, are they going to do the same thing? Because the Chiefs, if there's something to be said about that defense, which has really been the best unit of their two on the team, is that they're gettable at least a little bit against the run, and this is just a this is a different style of running game. I, I think with uh, with Lamar and and company here. So, uh, do you expect that they're going to try to implement the same game plan that they did against Buffalo in the second half?
4: I think it's going to be similar. I actually think they're going to be more focused on taking the quarterback runaway because when you look at Baltimore's run game, who are you afraid of? Lamar Jackson. You're not afraid of the running back. So you're really able to focus those linebackers on staying in their lanes and making sure that when you do the option read, or the zone read, that you don't allow Lamar to really break a longer run off. And then you have to be disciplined in your pass rush. Uh, my favorite stat going into this game, really coming out of it even, the, the number one cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs Did not allow a touchdown against him coming into this game. Gave up his first in this game today. I don't see a single wide receiver at Baltimore that's going to be able to make explosive plays against him. Zay Flowers probably going to get Snead man up in that spot. Connor looked phenomenal today for Kansas City, the rookie cornerback that they're using in the slot. It's going to come down to Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. Can they make plays against these Chiefs linebackers? And today we had Dalton Kincaid he wasn't able to make those plays against those Chiefs linebackers. So I think it's a tough spot for this Baltimore offense to consistently move the football. I do like the under in the game as well, so I'm going to have an under ticket in there too because, as you can tell, I think the defenses have the advantage on both sides of the ball.
3: And numbers uh, dropped down to, by the way, to 44 and a half, so maybe your money started to move it.
4: Get it now. Get it now. You don't want to lose that key number of 44, and this thing's going to keep going down.
3: Mike, great stuff as always, my friend.
4: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us. And again, check out uh, Mike and Matt Brown on the handle. You guys got a new time next week. We do. We'll be uh, normal time on Saturday, so seven to ten Eastern. But new time on Sunday, noon to two, taking you up into Brent Musker Musburger's countdown to kickoff. Pretty good leading. Not bad. Come back.
3: We're gonna have Jennifer
4: Lee Chan next, talking more Niners here on the Lookout. Ah,
6: <sighs> spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW for We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good song.
7: The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
2: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
7: And I'm Skip Bronson.
2: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?
7: You get our way.
2: is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: We continue The Look Ahead. Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds here at Circus Sportsbook in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Four teams are left. A lot of exhales for the teams that have moved on. A lot of teams going, how in the hell did we lose? Like the Bills. But yet, I feel like for the team that won that might have more questions after winning might be the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. So let's bring in Jennifer Lee Chan, 49ers beat reporter, NBC Sports Bay Area. Got a lot of good friends in that part of the country, Jennifer. Thanks for rejoining us again. Let's talk about that because when you get to an NFC title game, it should be like, "Oh my goodness, nobody can stop us now." And I think after the win over the Packers yesterday, there might be more questions than answers. Are, it, what's the mood like in San Francisco? I know they're they're optimistic, but Do they need to be reminded how good this team was in the regular season?
8: I think it was a definite wake-up call. There was a collective sigh of relief when Drake Greenlaw caught that football for the pick. And then it was anxiety again when he tried to run for I don't know where he was running to. And then again, a collective sigh of relief once he finally went down. It was like an entire roller coaster in about, I don't know, 30 seconds for everybody that was in the building. Uh, but I think, you know, it was kind of a wake-up call because there were a lot of mistakes that happened across the board in all three phases of the game, but then they did enough to be able to walk away with the win and be able to host the NFC Championship game next weekend.
5: Jennifer, uh, before we get to uh, Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel status, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the different storylines in this game uh uh Kyle Shanahan we have uh somebody that played it very close to the vest at the end of the first half last night against uh uh Dan Gamble if you will or Dan or, or Dan Campbell uh and and look he's, he's gonna gamble <laughs> like like he did in the third quarter yep. today fourth and one he's like no I'm not gonna take the lead uh we're, we're getting six here and uh he absolutely did but then you contrast that last night Kyle Shanahan played it very close to the best. I know he wanted to control the clock, but was that a lack of trust in Brock Purdy, or was that the Debo injury, and that just totally changed their game plan there in the second quarter?
8: Yeah, it was one of those things that he always does. He likes to, what he calls kind of, I'll give you the air quotes <laughs> via phone, uh, laugh the the opponent. So he likes to hold the ball all the way to the end of the first half and then take the ball over again in the second half because they always defer and, or, you know, accept the deferral. And it just, he did, he played so conservatively going in and everybody in the press box, all of us were like, what is he doing? Why isn't he running a play? Why is he letting the clock run down? So uh, he took ownership for it. The, you know, after the game, and you know, I realizing I think that he played it too conservatively, but obviously better to have it happen in that situation and have it work out in the end. I think you learned a lesson and uh, I think you'll, you'll see a more aggressive play call style when it comes down to that same situation going forward.
3: Jennifer, I was in Washington DC for a long time and sometimes they'd make sports guys do weather. So I'm going to ask you to do some weather for next Sunday, if you don't mind, because (laughs) we had a steady drizzle throughout that game yesterday against the Packers We're hearing more rain. How much does that change who the Niners are, or does it change them at all?
8: Well, it did change it a little bit for Brock Purdy because he started out the game with a glove, then took the glove off because it was drizzling. And then I think that adjustment to the glove and then adjustment to not the glove and then the (laughs) ball being wet from the grass, I think all of that played into how accurate he was, which was not very accurate in the first half. So he had some really good passes, and then he had some others that were just – way off target, the one that bounced off Garnell Savage's chest. Uh, oh. I mean, that was just that was a lucky one. I mean, that could have been a pick-six really the other way around. Um, but I think this experience in the rain for him sets him up better for knowing what to do, knowing not to go with the glove, and just really trying to you know, dry the ball off as much as possible, keep his hands dry. I think that's a better way for him to control the ball, because the gloved it did that work and he did not like it he told us after the game
5: jennifer while we're on the subject of uh the former mr irrelevant brock purdy uh obviously different scenario today for tampa bay being that they were indoors in detroit but we saw a very pass heavy script uh from baker mayfield in the box and it did work 349 yards uh and i know there's the potential elements there at levi's on uh, sunday but do you expect the 49ers to be a little bit more aggressive coming out throwing the ball next week
8: I would expect them to be a little bit more aggressive all the way around. I don't think they'll ever abandon the run game. Kyle Shanahan is a huge believer in balancing it out. And I think he's, I don't know, he hasn't lost a game when he's had a running back you know, run 30-some times or 40 times. So I think that's always the goal. Um, but I would definitely see him taking advantage of the weakness of the Lions secondary because I think that is where they do have a little bit of weakness. Um, but I think they're always going to run the ball. But Brock pretty really needs to be more accurate, and it just kind of depends on how he is able to take advantage of it. Now, if Debo Samuel is unable to play, I spoke to him after the game. He said he's okay. Seems like it's much better than it was in Week 6 when he hurt the same shoulder. After the game in Week 6, he needed help putting on a jacket in the locker room. Mm. Last night, I was there when he actually – Reached overhead, pulled a shirt over his head, so he did that without like wincing in pain. So it's not nearly as bad as it was that that week six injury. So I would expect him to play just because it's the playoffs. Uh, they also have an extra day of rest because they play Saturday and the game is on Sunday. But um, you've got some veteran guys like Chris Conley who can step in, and the return of Jawan Jennings was huge for the 49ers offense as well.
3: Yeah, great point, and it's, that's uh, a great update by the way for Niners backers out there. Uh, Jennifer, with your information, and it looks like Debo says he's going to be good enough to go. That extra day of rest really comes in uh, certainly this time of year. Let's switch the focus very quickly to the defensive side of the ball because I know when it doesn't look like the Niners' offense, we go, oh, what's going on with Brock? But the defense, they had their moments yesterday where it could have gotten dicey there. Uh, Aaron Jones breaking off that big run. The Packers missed a field goal, which could have ultimately led to possible overtime there had they made that. Is this defense playing to the the standard that they think they should be at, or are there reasons for why they don't look as dominant in recent weeks?
8: I think they're really trying to find balance on the side of the line opposite of Nick Bosa. Cleveland Farrell is a guy who is a huge effort guy. They are really missing him on the other side. They did put him on IR, so he's not even going to be able to come back if they do make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, Chase Young is, is getting better. He and Randy Gregory, you know, coming in midseason, they don't have, this, they don't have the same amount of time with Chris Kossarek, who's their defensive line coach. Nick Bosa explained this week that it's different points of, like, different target points for defensive edge. And so they're learning. They're getting better. So the more time and more reps they do get to play, I think the better they'll get. Eric Armstead had a decent game, you know, coming back from his foot injury. But I think also he'll play a little bit better coming forward as well, because I think just missing time, even though it's, you know, they say that there's not as much rust, he didn't play, or he, I'm sorry, he didn't practice at full speed. He did have practices with pads on, full speed, and he was limited most of the week, but he did play.
5: Jennifer, uh, 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 one of the uh, interesting reports uh, in watching the television broadcast last night was the, the Tom Rinaldi story on the Fox broadcast about how Matt LaFleur, every time Anders Carlson, the Green Bay kicker, goes out, he says, quote, when he goes out there, I just pray. Is, uh, is there any of uh, the same <laughs> feeling with, uh, with Kyle Shanahan, though, with Jake Moody, who showed uh, the bad, the miss before the first half, but then had the 52-yarder uh, in the second half? Uh, uh, if this gets dicey, how much is Kyle Shanahan going to trust the rookie out of Michigan?
8: I think he's got a bigger leg than Robbie Gold had. But I think, you know, I think as a rookie, there's always different elements that go into the kicker's mentality. So he's been pretty solid throughout the season. He's had a few misses during big moments. But the fact that he did finish it off with a longer attempt that was successful, I think that makes him more confident. And Jake Moody is so good throughout training camp and practice and just He hit, I think, like a 67-yarder at practice back in training camp. So he's got the leg to do it. I think it's just, you know, being so young, being a rookie, having all that pressure on on you as a player, and it's the biggest stage now that it's the playoffs. So there may be some hiccups along the road, but generally he's been pretty solid.
3: Jennifer, about 90 seconds to go here. You know, when you get a near miss sometimes in the postseason, You can exhale and go, all right, we got the bad game behind us. Or you can go, oh, this might be a precursor of what's to come. What's the mood like in that locker room after that that close shave? Do they feel like, all right, we got the the rough one out of the way?
8: Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. I think it's like they think they got the rough one out of the way. It's a wake up call. They know what they need to work on, I think that this locker room is such a veteran group that they realized, okay, there's there lot the offense. There's a lot of meat left on the phone. There are a lot of mistakes that they got kind of lucky with, but they all said, Hey, it's playoff football. Everybody's going to bring their best to the field. I think the fact that they are playing at home and they have an extra day of rest is going to make a huge difference, but I think it's really just finding fine tuning all the little things. And I think, a lot of the starters not playing much, if at all, in week 18. And then the bye week, there is some you know, truth to a little bit of rust, getting mm-hmm. back on the field, getting into the, into the rhythm of games. That was the thing that I think was missing for them the most in the game against the Packers, that they couldn't get into the rhythm on offense. So hmm. that's where they need to work on going forward.
3: Seven-point favorites to get it done next week against Detroit. Jennifer, appreciate the time. We'll catch up again soon.
8: All right. Sounds good. Have a good night. Thank there you she Jennifer. is, everybody.
3: Jennifer Leachan. Give her a follow on X at the same handle. Come on back. The Look Ahead continues in a moment.
2: This is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: Sportsbook, and official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing them an offer that's going to help them make the playoffs be a little bit more electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code VEASAN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code VEASAN. And the crown can be all yours. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, Dave Ross here with you. You have
5: such a habit of uh, now doing the Jim Mora playoffs, playoffs that you even almost say it in the reads. Did I? I it's, you, it's, you, you got like halfway. It was it's, kind it's, of a half mora. Yeah,
3: half, half more playoffs. It is amazing. And it's something I wanted to bring up with you because it, we talked about it with Mike Samich. Hopefully, you heard our conversation with Mike off the top of the hour. I really am fascinated by the, some of the teams that aren't still alive by the resurrection of the seasons of the Packers and the Buccaneers. Because as somebody that had Packer tickets over seven and a half to make the playoffs at plus $1. seventy-five, there was a game last month in December where the Buccaneers went to Lambeau Field and Baker Mayfield had a perfect passer rating. I think it's the first time in the history of football at Lambeau Field that an opposing quarterback went in there and had a perfect passer rating. And you went, well, this game doesn't matter. The Packers look like they were going to miss the playoffs at that point. The Buccaneers are, you know, 500 team trying to figure out a way to win a terrible division. Mm -hmm. And you kind of forget about that stuff. And then a month later, not only those teams put scares in their respective opponents, the big boys of the NFC, the Niners and the Lions, but we weren't far off from having that matchup in the NFC title game. Right. And, And like... I think at this summertime, and you and I have a lot of conversations uh, all off-season long, and I think we all thought the AFC would be the the deeper of the conferences. And look, they still have elite top level. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. The Bills were the two seed, and clearly Baltimore maybe a surprise as a one. But I think maybe the NFC, the depth of the NFC might be a surprise going into next year's evaluation. It
5: it, it was a surprise, I think, because I felt like the AFC had the better teams and, you know, just a lot more strength at the top. But in terms of in the middle and toward Mm -hmm. the bottom, I think you could definitely argue that the the NFC uh, was certainly stronger uh, uh, thus far. Jordan Love obviously has developed. Yep. And they can now have faith in him. And this he's going to get the bag. This is kind of like the the you know the last year. It's like okay, kid, here's your season, here's your chance. Started out a little slow, but finished I, I think with the with the flourish. Uh, so yeah, I, I was surprised to see. I wasn't. I, I thought Green Bay was going to be better. They just didn't get better until the end of the season.
3: Yeah, they hit their stride, and and I think also goes into narratives a little bit. Like Joe Barry was not good for the majority of the year as the defensive coordinator, and it was fire Joe Barry, fire Joe Barry. And I might have even been guilty of that, too, just, you know, overall thinking this defense is trash. We saw Bryce Young have his best day late in the year against Joe Barry's defense. They really picked it up, and they really played better football down the stretch, and certainly that, that win in Dallas in the wild-card weekend, and almost had another pick-six against Brock Purdy, should have had one. Mm-hmm. And I think the point is, is sometimes when we handicap some of these teams, we go, well, they're just not very good. Teams change. Right. And they evolve. We saw with the, with the Bills, great example of six and six, and then they win six in a row. But we knew they had talent. I'm already looking at next year's teams and thinking once they start setting those numbers in a couple months, win totals, there's going to be some surprises in there. I don't think it's easy as now saying the Lions, whether they win or next week or not in San Francisco, that they're just going to win the North again next year because the Bears are going to have a chance to really be improved with what they do at 1-9 and nine in the draft, potentially. And it looked like they were getting better as the season went on. The Vikings somehow are able to keep, kind of keep their head above water for the majority of the year without Kirk Cousins. We'll find out where Kirk goes. But the point is, Jerry Glanville said this decades ago, the NFL stands for not for long. And the windows that you have open for success do not stay open Right In eternity, unless you have an elite qu- uh, quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen, like a Lamar Jackson. And I think that's why you're and, seeing and, those teams. And, and, with-
5: and even then, as we uh, talked about with uh, Mike Pritchard in the first hour of the program, with the Buffalo Bills, mm. it's like, has their window closed now where you got to retool the team? Yeah, you've got the quarterback, but... Like uh, like uh, uh, Mike mentioned, that defense got old. They couldn't get pressure at all, and they had key on, on, injuries on Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, with, yeah with they did.
3: White and, and Matt Milano. Yeah,
5: yeah, and you could tell uh, that that the defense is getting old. So some of these teams, yeah, there's a lot of uh, positive things to at least build over for for next season. But for some teams, there's kind of like a little a little bit of soul searching and a little bit of okay. We got to pivot a little bit. We can't run it back uh, here when Buffalo, because they've done that the last few years and they don't have any appearances in the Super Bowl to show for it.
3: It's crazy that this time next week, when you and I do this show, we will be breaking down the Super Bowl. We'll be breaking down the final two. And we mention it throughout the year here in the lookout, how quickly this season flies by each and every year. If you're a football fan like we are, it just it flies by. And I go back to 1985 in Dante's Inferno, Dan Marino, and the Mm -hmm. Dolphins. And it's year two for Dan Marino at quarterback. And they get whoosh by the Niners and Joe Montana, and they lose. And the narrative, the collective narrative, and I remember it well, he'll be back. He never was back. Like, these moments that these four teams have that are left are fleeting. There is no guarantee that Brock Purdy and the Niners, they don't get it done this year if Lamar Jackson, if they can't get past Patrick, there's no guarantee that these teams will just plug and play and they'll be back. Ask the Buffalo Bills. Right. That 13 seconds is now going to be three years ago. Right. Next year. And they can't get that time back.
5: Windows close very quickly because I think we all recognize, okay, there are some teams they get back and they get back like, like Kansas City Chiefs. This is now their sixth straight AFC championship game. Which is just remarkable. Right? Well, I, I know people don't think it's remarkable because, like, well, we saw oh. the Patriots. Oh, do no, it it's or, remarkable. Yes, it yeah. is absolutely remarkable for, uh, for them. And uh, uh, now they're one game away yet from going to another Super Bowl and being able to defend that uh, Lombardi trophy. But uh, again, first- that hasn't
3: been done in two decades, people. Mm-hmm. We have not had a repeat champion in the NFL since Tom Brady's Patriots right. did it in the mid 2000s. Right. So that's what the Chiefs are embarking on potentially if they can get a win. Mike Salmage is on the program. He loves the Chiefs to to get that W in Charm City next week and get back to to another Super Bowl. So, when we fast forward to April in the NFL draft, remember, when the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes, they traded up to 10. Mm -hmm. They didn't trade up to one. They didn't trade up to three. They traded up to 10 to get this kid out of Texas Tech and the Cliff Kingsbury system and – you know, it's it's not sustainable in the NFL. And that's why Patrick Mahomes was there at 10. And that's why the Chicago Bears, tick, 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 you're on the clock. We talked a little bit about it uh, last week. Obviously, the big favorite to be the number one overall pick is going to be Caleb Williams, whether or not that's by the Bears or somebody else. But it is imperative, and it is readily apparent each and every year when you just look at which teams have success, it is the rule that you have – an elite quarterback. It is the exception if you can get it done with the Brock Purdy's of the world. Like that, that is not the norm. Right. Trent Dilfer winning a Super Bowl in Baltimore with that elite defense is not the normal structured way that you go to win championships. It is all centered around the quarterback. Period. End of story. And we're seeing it again right now in the AFC. With again, I think Lamar Jackson's going to win this MVP. It'll be his second and Patrick Mahomes already has two, and Jared Goff was a number one overall pick. So when we get down to the final four teams here, Wes, it's readily apparent how important the key position in all of sports is, and it's the
5: quarterback. 100%. And, uh, you know, now that we have the two mvps like we're gonna say probably uh actually i'll probably call him two time because Lamar's gonna win we, uh so uh, right pretty safe yeah yeah and then uh number one pick against mr irrelevant and mr irrelevant is favored by almost a touchdown wow and 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 i think should be i think absolutely should be i think uh you know we'll get into this game uh more in the final hour yep. as well but you know this is uh Buying the dip, if you will, well, on the San Francisco 49ers.
3: And I don't want this to be an indictment if you weren't drafted in the first round. But, you know, Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick. Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick. And I'm not saying that this is why you fade Brock Purdy, but it almost reared its ugly head in that Packer game yesterday. I mean, it came close to him finally looking like why he was the last pick in the NFL draft and not a first-round pick. So it's not that one-size-fits-all. But generally speaking, in today's day and age in the NFL, Tom Brady's are the, the exception, not the rule. You don't normally win sustained championships and have sustained success with six-round picks in the NFL draft. It normally doesn't happen that way.
5: It doesn't, uh, but, but when you have good coaching and, and a good system uh, around guys, which uh, I, I think the 49ers still have, even though I had uh, very, a lot of questions about how the head coach and staff handled that game plan last night.
3: So that's not why the Cowboys lost, because Dak was a fourth-round pick? No. No. I'm trying to find an excuse for my guy down there in Big D. Okay, when we come back, let's take a deeper look at what is now, does feel like the marquee matchup again, with the Chiefs and the Ravens and the AFC. Let's break that down in totality next here on The Look
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
7: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
2: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
7: And I'm Skip Bronson.
2: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. This is the look ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSN, the sports betting network.
3: Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Get unlimited access to our Visa.com slash picks page. You're going to see one from Mike Sonics, who was on with us at the beginning of the hour. He's already in on the Chiefs, plus three and a half next week at Baltimore. For more Visa Pro picks, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. The look ahead is going to give you 10% off an annual subscription. When you use a promo code, look, Wes, that's nice of us. Yes. We're giving you 10% off. That's
5: the look. That's the look. The look of love, as ABC once said.
3: <laughs> ABC, the look of love. By the way, I just saw this, and it made me laugh. It was sent to me on the X machine. Again, you can get us at Wes Reynolds 1, at DRaw Sports. Fire away. We got time. Uh, the, according to Donovan Smith, of course, the offensive lineman for the Chiefs. So this is coming from a Chiefs player. Take it with a grain of salt. The Buffalo Bills turned off the hot water in the Chiefs' locker room. That just makes me laugh. Like, you know, there's stories of the old Boston Garden where they would just crank up the heat in Mm -hmm. the opposing team's locker room. So they're just sweating bullets over there. Meanwhile, it's nice and air-conditioned. Hey, man, home field advantage. We got to get an advantage. didn't work. Chiefs still won the game. Like, that's just... Isn't yeah,
5: it? well, apparently it was like the old pink locker room uh, at uh, Iowa at, uh, at uh, Kinnick Stadium, but apparently it inspired that Chiefs offensive line. Uh, not that they needed it. Uh, uh, zero sacks allowed, How by the that? way. When you look at it, look at the uh, at the pressures tonight. I was just looking uh, for some of the uh, uh, next gen stats. Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones, zero pressures on 38 combined pass rushes. Uh, Oliver, the first game without a pressure, I believe, since uh, 20 week 13, 2021. And so, he's, uh, a, he,
3: he's had a pretty good year. Yeah,
5: so Joe Thune uh, uh, mm. really stepped up uh, on the other side. Uh, so uh, very good job by that Chiefs offensive line tonight, and that was a big key.
3: Well, let's stay right there then, and let's kind of focus on that with the Chiefs and the Ravens next week in the AFC title game. Because I love the way you really can phrase it when you look at Line coaches and what what these games are. I know a lot of times, sometimes even in the gambling market, but certainly the general public at large, they just go, "Oh, it's Andy Reid against John Harbaugh," and then they don't look to the DC against the OC. Now that is Andy Reid. He's calling. I know they have Matt Nagy there, but still, Andy that's pretty much calling things there. This does feel like a heavyweight matchup. Now I know the Chiefs' offense has not been the same Chief, Chiefs' offense since, since really. Tyreek Hill left town a couple years ago to go to Miami. I mean, it just has not had the explosive players. And is a reason why the cheat is one of the most explosive, if not the most explosive player in the league. So it's going to look different. What do you think that matchup looks like? Because I feel like the Ravens really won that matchup uh, with another young genius in Bobby Bobby Slovic there in Houston, right? And we're talking about him for a head coaching gig all over. And Mm -hmm. man, they just, they had 10 points and seven of it came off a punt return. So the Ravens won that defensive versus offensive battle. How do you think that looks? Do you pressure Mahomes? Because with no pressure today, that Chiefs offense looked a
0: lot better.
5: Well, and if you look at the Ravens, they they, they don't necessarily have that, you know, T.J. Watt or or somebody like that uh, type, type of edge ed rusher. Uh, they run a 3-4. Of course, mm-hmm. they're in Baltimore. They always have. So uh, – Uh, Your outside linebackers are Clowney and Calvin Noy, Patrick Queen, Wilquan Smith, obviously uh, right there in the middle, pretty good uh, group of four. So yeah, they, they, they do do it by committee in terms of pressure. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see uh, how many, how much pressure Mike McDonald brings from those, from those linebackers, how often he blitzes because uh, the the Ravens are a pretty good team in terms of coverage, Uh, you know, and, 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 it's it's a unit it, it doesn't have the stars like we were talking with dan wilcox earlier in terms of you know a ray lewis or an Ed yeah. Reed. don't get me wrong there are really good players uh on this unit but but there's none of those guys no. who are just like single game hall changers. of famers when yes. you see them right yes there. there i don't think that there's that there's necessarily any of those guys but when you when you look at baltimore they have ranked number one against the pass in DVOA this year, I think seventh against the run. So I guess they're weaker against the run, but that's a weakness is a relative term here. So yeah, they're, they're gonna, I think, you know, give Mahomes a lot of different looks uh, here and the chiefs offense. I don't think it, it lacks the explosion, like you were saying, but one of the things about the chiefs and, and where I was impressed with them, not only against Miami, but tonight they're not making the mistakes that they were making in the regular season. Yep. It's not as many drop passes. There's not as much putting the ball on the turf, uh, even though they did have a uh, two fumbles and they did lose one tonight. That was Mikkel Hardman, but oh boy. they're making a lot less mistakes. And, you know, uh, I think Pacheco being back Pacheco being back has been such a key for Kansas city is the fact that you've got a guy that runs and you got a guy that runs with bad intentions. So, you know, McKinnon and edwards Hilaire, sometimes guys you can use in the passing game, but they're not, like, powerful runners. No. And it, Pacheco is.
3: I guess if you wear 10 in Kansas City, you're a difference
5: maker. Yes.
3: Because he took Cheetah's number. Yes. I mean, he's not fleetest fleet foot. Nobody is. But he can run over you and run through you. Uh, and you're right. It changes the dynamic. That And that takes a
5: lot of pressure. Uh, yep. Because uh, uh, Rasheed Rice, you know, he, he got banged up, so he wasn't as much of a factor for catches 47. But... Mahomes always going to go to Kelsey when, when the money's on the line, and he certain, certainly did today. Uh, so, uh, look, Chiefs are here, and because that's what they've been doing. It seems like they've been just kind of hanging around, hanging around, and, you know, hey, we're still there, even though we're not the Chiefs of old, but they're just 60 minutes away from getting to the Super Bowl. But uh, I got to tell you, my first lean, and probably I might just end up going money line here, I do like the Baltimore Ravens.
3: Yeah, and I know that you like when it's certainly three or less. Yeah. That you're going to start looking to those numbers. Yeah, correct?
5: minus 165. I don't know. Uh, I mean, there, is, there, there was a flat three. Now that flat three I mentioned uh, here in town at the South Point has disappeared, and they, they've gone to three and a half. So mm. early money on the Ravens doesn't mean it's always right. But, yeah, that opener, there, there were some, uh, I think, some faraway stores that opened two and a half, and that was a bad number. I felt, uh, I felt on uh, Baltimore. So it went to three immediately.
3: You know, the lean for us, and again, with Mike Samich, and and this could change certainly with injuries, and we'll we'll keep an eye on on the health of, of a lot of the key offensive players for sure. It feels like it's towards the under. But my caution is when you have elite quarterbacks like Lamar and Patrick, I played the over in the Bills game today, basically counting on the quarterbacks to be great, and they were. I look at the first half under, though, at 22 and a half, and maybe a feeling out process. Do you expect these offensive coordinators to come out and go, let's attack right off the blitz? they kind of closer to the vest. Punts aren't bad. I know John Harbaugh doesn't mind playing like that, right? He, he, 10 10 was, was just fine by him. And then the second half, and even when we talked to Daniel Wilcox, he mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not out to get you in the first quarter, they're out to get you in the fourth quarter. They don't know where on you. It's, exactly. And sometimes that does lead towards more conservative play calling earlier in a game.
5: So so what I'm wondering, though, is if, if it's going to be the opposite. If you're going to see maybe Baltimore throw early oh. and then, you know pass to set up the run, because I remember uh, that was always a lot of what Peyton Manning and the Colts used to like to do. They would pass, and then— get that to Edger and James in the third and fourth quarter, and he just wears on guys. Mm. Now, Baltimore doesn't have that kind of running back. But it's running back guy committee with, with Gus Edwards yep. and Justice Hill. Of course, but it's Dobbins. really Lamar, right? Yeah, but Lamar is so dynamic. And, and, and the fact that, you know, you're third and 10, and all of a sudden nothing's there. He's, you know, taking his five-step drop, and he can just get it. He's gone. He's going to get it. Even even Josh Allen, who was an incredible runner, you know there are a lot of like second threes and second twos. That's a first down for Lamar. Mm-hmm. You know almost every single time. The one thing they got to do is is they got they they picked up the blitz better in the second half because that first half it was getting home. Houston was getting home uh, absolutely with that pass rush and uh, I think Lamar got sacked all three times in the first half and then they made some adjustments. Houston couldn't get any pressure up front. So we know Steve Spagnolo. He likes to bring pressure too. Mm-hmm. And it's not just necessarily with Chris Jones and his front four. They'll send guys. They'll they'll send safeties. They'll send Trent McDuffie from the nickel and, and, and they'll send all these guys to try to get pressure. But uh uh no sacks given up by the Bills tonight either. So that's that that, that that'll be interesting to see how Baltimore makes the adjustments early on with the protection the first
3: half numbers by the way two and a half for the Ravens and 22 and a half for the total so you might not want to jump on that under even though if you extrapolate that it goes up to 45 mm-hmm. and you're seeing 44 and a half, some 44s even so you feel like you're getting a, a good number for the under yeah. but it could be more points early and less points and later. And,
5: and first half uh, by the way like 23 is like is a key number mm-hmm. on 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 that so you know, you do you do want to, you know, obviously, if that gets to 23, then you're going to start to when you read the line screen, you're going to start to see minus 120 or minus 125. So something to notice if you're betting first halves and also second half.
3: Great information, by the way, right now, the under 22 and a half is minus 12, over is minus 8. So it was interesting because even in the Bills Chiefs game today was 23 was the number It was 13 to 10 late until the Bills got that late touchdown to push it over that. Uh, with the 17-13 first-half lead for the Bills, which did not hold. When we come back, hour number three, much more discussion of the final four in the NFL next year. on look at
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
6: Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo.